0: These ones I'm not budging on. G-O-S-P-E-L. I know most of us have heard the gospel. And I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to preach the gospel right now. And many, many of us have heard it already. Many of us have heard it our whole lives. But could it be we've never understood it? Or could it be we just need to review it? I'm not going to apologize for preaching the gospel. Here we go. G. God created us to be with him. God created us to be with him. Very simply, God loves us. And it's not that God loves, this point is not about how God loves the chosen, those who put their faith in him. Yes, God loves us because we put our faith in him. But God loves all. God created all mankind to be together. Even those who are unsaved, even those that are not part of the holy nation of God, God still loves them. He made them and he loves them. So God created us to be with him. But our sin separates us from God. That's the next one. Go ahead, Josiah. Our sin separates us from God. I got to get something there. Okay. So God created us to be with him but our sin separates us from God. Adam and Eve sinned, the first sin, by disobeying the Lord and we all come from Adam and Eve. That that sin has been passed through, through all mankind and that's why we are born with a sinful nature. Sin separates us from God. Here's the S, sin cannot be removed by doing good. I'm not talking about a simple sin action here. I'm talking about our very nature. It's not like, oh, I know what you did last week. That's a sin. Sin cannot be removed by doing good. It's, it's, it's not like an action. It's, it's, it's our nature. I am sinful. I am bad. I mean, that's what Michael Jackson always said. I'm bad. bad, bad. That's right. It's the church, guys. You need to have a little respect in the house. Somebody's playing a prank on me back there. Either that or I put them up to it. I'll let you decide. (laughs) I am bad. I am sinful. It's not about, like, I do sinful things because I am sinful. I'm I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm going to start. I can't do it. I could just pretend and make you laugh at me. It's this idea that we have a sin status. We come out of our mama sinful. But I don't believe we're judged at that point. The Lord forgives. We're not able to decide good, between good and bad. But I never taught my son how to lie to me. He figured it out on his own. <laughs> we're born with a sinful nature. So God created us to be with him because he loves us. Our sin separates us. Our sin status separates us from God. And sin cannot be removed by doing good. Sin can't be removed by anything we can do. It's not by our power that sin gets removed. But this is the problem. This is the problem. We have sin between us and God. Other religions like Hinduism don't even uh, acknowledge the existence of sin or a separation between us and God. But that penalty for that sin is death. Here's the P. Paying the price for sin, Jesus, God himself, took the penalty upon himself, died, and rose again. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. I like to imagine this like an action movie. Imagine yourself standing in, a, uh, in the middle of a highway, and a semi is coming right towards you. And Jesus says, oh no, and he comes over and he shoves you out of the way, gently into a bush. <laughs> and he gets hit by the truck instead of you. That's what happened here. The penalty for sin is death. We deserve it. Jesus, because he was God, he had to be God, he has to be God. Because if he wasn't God, he he would have had his own sin to pay for. So he was God. He didn't have sin to pay for. He he did not deserve any wrath of God. But he came, shoved us out of the way, and took the penalty himself. Paying the price for sin, God himself, Jesus Christ, died and rose again. And now everyone, that's the E, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. Trusting in Jesus alone is necessary. Acts 4.12 says that there is no name under uh, heaven given to mankind that we can be saved except by the name of Jesus. Many say that Muslims and Christians are uh, worshiping the same God because both faiths believe, and we would agree, um, that we worship the one true God. That's what we say, the one true God. We worship the one true God. Therefore, we worship the same God. But the catch is, Muslims believe there's a lot of things I could say about Muslims, but but I want I want to teach you the basics so you can sniff it out. The catch is Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet. Period. Christians believe that Jesus is God. He's my God. He has to be my God. He has to be God. Because if he wasn't God, he would have had to pay for his own sins. So he was God. Didn't have sins to pay for. And he paid for him. For me. Jesus is my God. He made a way for me to be a part of a holy nation. And that's why I think I'm so special. And you can be too. So, God created us to be with Him. Our sin separates us from God. Sin cannot be removed by anything we can do. Uh, Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and came back to life. Everyone that points to Jesus has the answer. And Jesus alone can have eternal life. And life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Your life will change because you accept Jesus. A lot of other religions and a lot of those who are spiritual would say uh, that that the point of faith, the point of our spiritual life is to uh, do good, is to cause no harm, to be kind to others, to um, pray this, this many times a day. All of that is stuff we can do. And although that's very commendable, it's not anywhere close to the gospel. If it doesn't have Jesus in it, it's not the gospel. If you, want to, if you want to spot a fake religion, look at what they do with Jesus. Ask questions about Jesus. What do they do with Jesus? Is that a false teaching? Is that a, is that a cult? Is that something off? There's something off with with that church over there. What do they do with Jesus? If it doesn't have Jesus as the Savior, as God, it's not the gospel. It's just not. Preach it, Adam. Preach it. Christian salvation is rooted in what God did, not what we can do. If it doesn't have Jesus, God Himself, it's not the gospel. Now, I believe this is right, I believe this is true, and I hope you do too. This is right, this is true. But, but these, um, and, and, and these are just a few things, pretty, pretty much the only things that I'm gonna dig my heels in on. If you wanna believe something different about something, some kind of thing in our life, I'm probably not gonna argue with you. These things, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna budge. God loves us, our sin separates us from God. We can't get rid of the sin problem. Jesus can. Yes. I'm not budging on those things. Yes. But that belief, although I'm, 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 I'm cautious in even how I say it, because I believe it's absolutely true, and these are absolutes of the, Christ, of the Christian faith. But I'm careful in how I say it, because I don't want to come across as You know, like one of those guys. I don't believe. I'm not doing it twice. <laughs> Being confident in our faith should not lead us to an arrogant position. Yes. It should lead us to a humble position yes. because we can't do any of it. Right. It's, in what, it's in what God did. Amen. And there is a huge, huge... Responsibility that comes with being a chosen people a ho- and a holy priesthood. Huge responsibility. Here it is. Number three, we must declare. Believers must declare. First Peter 2.9 says, you are a chosen people, a holy priesthood, a holy nation, I'm sorry, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. My summary, that whole first half of that verse says you're special. If you're special, say whoop. "Whoop." You're special. Why? Here's the mic drop moment. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Oh, so we should sing worship music. No, it does not say you're special so that you may declare the praises to him. This verse does not say praise Jesus. This verse says, you're special that you may declare the praises of him to, who? The world. The world. We're special. We're called. And we have this responsibility. The reason reason we're even called is so that we can declare the praises of God to the world. I'm chosen and you're not. What? It can be easy to have that kind of attitude. You, have, you ever, have you ever met somebody that knew they were special? <laughs> we should not walk our Christian faith like that. We're special, but the reason we're special is so that we may declare the praises of God. We can declare what God's done. We can declare the gospel to people around us. Why does this even matter? Here's why it matters. People are lost. When we're all born, anybody ever been born? Okay, it runs pretty much 100%. When we're born, everybody starts with a sin status. It's like the default position in, in, in settings on your computer, and if you want something different than the default, you have to go in and change it. We have a sin status And we all start that way. And if you've been saved, you've changed that sin status. But the rest of the world is lost, and God wants to find them. And the Bible is very clear that he will do that through us. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. uh, My paraphrase says that uh, people won't hear unless we take it to them. How will they hear unless we go? That's why this matters. So, I need to evangelize, and so do you. Seeing some of you break out into sweat right now, I can see the, <laughs> the beads forming. Some of your foreheads are getting kind of shiny. Evangelizing means that we tell the peop- we tell someone about the gospel with the intent of converting them to Christianity. We should do this. Now you may say, oh, no, just let everyone, be, let everyone do them. You know, let them figure it out. Here, here's, here's my logic. I want the world to be better. I think, I think everyone would agree that. I want the world to be better. The best way to make the world better, I think you would all agree, the best way to make the world better is with love. Love makes the world better. And I know no better way to love than to share Jesus, who is love. What better way is there? So I need to evangelize. Again, I I just, I can see like the tension. I can feel it in the room like, oh, no. One of these crazy guys telling me to go knock on doors. Cool, knock on doors if you want to. But That's not what I'm saying. This doesn't have to be complicated. I think evangelism has a really, really bad rep, and I'd like to get, it, get the record straight. Evangelism is very, very, very easy, believe it or not. It's like Michael Jackson always used to say. Evangelism is as simple it's you and me. It's as simple as people. Anybody know somebody? Anybody know anybody? There's a lot of people that don't know people up here. We know somebody. If you know somebody, if you don't, you're in church. Like, turn and say, hey, who are you? <laughs> Meet somebody. But if you know somebody, you're, and you know Jesus, and you know somebody, you're qualified to begin evangelism. Point people towards Jesus. Declare the gospel. It's about you having a relationship. But we all freak out when we hear that word evangelism. Ooh, I don't want to have it. That, that's, that's only for the people who have that gift. I'll just leave it for them. <laughs> Apparently, some people think that. <laughs> <Or something. laughs> it's only for people who have that gift. No, the Bible says that we should all do the work of an evangelist. Some people have a gift of being an evangelist and go for it but we all are to do the work of an evangelist. We are all called, we're all special. If you've accepted Christ, you're called and you're special. You're a chosen people so that you can evangelize. But I think we kind of get put off. The the bad rep that evangelism gets, I think it's because of a misunderstanding of what evangelism should be. Maybe you're here and when you hear that word evangelism, you think, oh no, talk with strangers. Maybe, maybe evangelism is talking with strangers. But that's not what I'm saying it needs to be. I mean, maybe you're called and you could, not everyone's like this, but some people could just walk down the, be be in Kroger, just walking down the aisle in cereal and you see somebody who's not a Christian you just pick up a Cheerio box and be like, have you noticed this Cheerio box? It's round, it's a circle. Do you you notice the the middle? It's empty, just like the tomb. Jesus isn't there anymore. Are you ready to receive Christ? (laughs) Some people can do that. (laughs) Some people could do that, and it works. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But that's not what I'm talking about. Evangelism doesn't have to be talking with strangers. It does not have to be. So just relax. You can wipe away a little bit of the sweat. Just pull out your hanky. Just a little bit can be wiped off. Maybe you erroneously think that evangelism is something else. Maybe when you hear evangelism, you think of arm-twisting. Overpressured salvation appeals. Do it, do it now. Or, um, or some, some things that the church has done before is, is we put Jesus next to hell. See how bad hell is? Look at these flames. You don't want that to happen, do you? Better receive Jesus. Let's do it right now. Hands can go in the air. Prayers get said that way. But when that's the only gospel that we teach we've watered Christianity down to a get out, of, get out of hell free ticket. And we've ignored the life that should change. Yes. Yes. Maybe when you hear the word evangelism, you think of arguing. Yeah, I'm really speaking to apologetics. Apologetics can be very helpful in helping people understand faith. But when that's your only uh, evangelism tactic, I think it can really come across the wrong way. Um, you know, I, I could talk with somebody, and you know, after ten minutes, I could say, "I have definitively proven Christianity, and now you have been backed into a corner. What shall you do now?" <laughs> uh, I can do that, but I've never argued someone into the kingdom of God. People don't don't follow Christ and change their lives because of an argument. Apologetics are good. I'm all pro-apologetics. But evangelism probably shouldn't involve arm-twisting or arguing. In fact, George Barna has released a study very recently. George Barna is a statistician uh, and a Christian, and he uses his great gift of statistics to help the church. And he released a book this year called Reviving Evangelism. And so he has some new statistics. And he interviewed a lot of non-Christians. And he asked them, if you were going to talk with someone about faith, who would you want to talk to? What are the characteristics of someone that you would be willing to talk to about faith? 62%, well over half of the people who are non-Christians said, I'd be happy to talk with someone about their, their faith if they listen without judgment. It's the number one desired trait. They listen without judging me and thinking I'm an idiot. 62% would be happy to talk with you if you just listen without judgment. But only 34% of those people, half of them, have ever met a Christian like that. Uh-oh. 50% of the people surveyed say that Uh, They would be happy to talk with you about about your Christian faith as long as you don't force a conclusion right then, right then, right now. You don't force a conclusion. But only 26% of them have ever met a Christian like that. So what this tells me is, by and large, the Christians, we won't listen to a non-Christian talk about faith without passing judgment or at least making them feel like we're passing judgment. And by and large, we don't um, allow the conversation to continue. We always want to force the conclusion right now. Those two things indicate that we're just not very good at having relationships with non-Christians. Actual relationships. Actual relationships, not just, you know, meeting somebody. This is how, what, how George Barna concludes, and I agree with him. How This is a quote. However willing they may be, Christians' ability to witness for Christ may be impeded by the simple fact that they don't have meaningful connections with non-Christians. Uh-oh. I think we have to stop seeing evangelism as a sprint, something that's done in 10.8 seconds, if you're fast. Sometimes that works. Praise the Lord. But I think in 2019, we also have to see evangelism as a marathon. It may last years. We wait for the opportunity, and we present the gospel with our words when it's right, and always with our lives. Thank you. How do we do this? Like, practically, how do we actually do it? I told you a moment ago that Michael Jackson says it's easy as A, B, C. But right now I'm going to tell you it's as simple as AAA. Ask, admire, admit. Ask, admire, admit. If you're in a conversation with somebody, get a, get a solid relationship with them, and then start asking questions. And sooner or later, their faith is going to come up. Ask them more questions. And then ask them some more questions. Yeah, how do you think about that? Why do you think that? What happens about this? Just ask questions. Until A, next day, you can admire. Ask them a lot of questions until you can admire something about their faith. Now, I like to be right. When I hear somebody say something that's not right, I like to just stop and tell them how dumb they are. (laughs) But I have to wait and say, okay, I'm going to ask more questions, I'm going to ask more questions, and I'm going to find something. I I don't want to... I'm not going to lead with an argument. I've never seen anyone get argued into heaven. Their faith gets them to heaven, not my argument. So I'm going to lead with love instead of a fight. And I'm going to find something I could admire about their faith. If I meet a Mormon, I might say, uh, I really admire how, how important family is to you. Family is important to me too. I really admire that. Or I can admire how committed you are to your beliefs. If you believe something, you should be committed to it. Yeah. Too bad you're committed to something wrong. You don't have to say that yet. <laughs> uh, yeah. But isn't that the type of person you want, you want to talk to? Because if they're committed, once they realize the glory of the Lord, they'll be committed there. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So we ask a lot of questions. We find something we can admire about their faith. And then the third A is admit. Admit that you're messed up. That's why you're a Christian. And present the gospel. I already shared with you how to do that. God created us to be with him. He loves us. Our sin separates us from God. Get something between your hands. Our sin separates us from God. Sin cannot be removed by doing good. Paying the price for sin, which was death. Jesus took that penalty upon himself, came back to life. Now everyone that points to Jesus as the answer and opens up their life to him can have everlasting life. And life with Jesus is life with him. And it starts now and lasts forever. You, you, G-O-S-P-E-L, that's all you've got to remember. And you can present the gospel. And then you can just ask a simple question, does that make sense? If they say, no, I don't understand this, go back, get your hands out again, get your phone or your water bottle out again and do it again. Explain it. Figure out what doesn't make sense and explain it. And say, does that make sense? If they say, yeah, then ask the last question. Is there anything holding you back from putting your faith in Jesus today? You're not forcing a conclusion. That's a question. Is there anything holding you back from accepting Jesus today? And maybe there is. Yeah, I'm not ready to stop doing my (laughs) sin whatever it is. I'm just not ready to do that. Okay? When you are, I'm right here. You can't argue someone to heaven. You can love them. You can continually show them the love of Christ. Can we all stand up? There's two kinds of people in the room, and maybe you're both. The first kind of people in the room today is is, is people that have really just never heard the gospel. Or maybe you've heard it but never really understood it. Today you understood it for the first time. If that's you and you're ready to to put your faith in Jesus, the Bible's clear. It only takes a confession of your mouth that you believe. And I'll say a prayer with us. Prayers don't save anybody, but it's a great place to start. It's a great great place to begin your, your relationship with Jesus. But if, you wanna, if you're already a Christian, would you just say I believe when I, when I ask you to? And if you just want to again or for the first time confess your belief in the gospel, can we all just say I believe on three? One, two, three. I believe. I believe. I believe. Lord, we believe in you. We confess with our mouth that we believe. We believe that you love us, that we're separated from you because of our sin status and it's through your ransom, your dying on the cross that saved us. We want to We want to have a life with you forever. Lord, we put our trust in you fully. Amen. The other type of person in the room is people that are very familiar with the gospel, and you've heard this a hundred times, and you could teach it to somebody else. And I believe this may be a whole lot of us, maybe everybody. Uh, But you need the Lord to give you grace, opportunity, and wisdom to show God's love to people now you got to be careful if you ask God to use you however he wants to like mean it because you'll be put in positions that aren't comfortable I'm, I'm asking you to, to say Lord use me and, and if you do that this week he's going to give you some opportunities does anybody want the Lord to use them? Lord, use me. Raise your hands up if you want the Lord to use you. Lord, we want to be used by you. Use us, God. I pray that this week you would give your church opportunities that are unmistakably yours. Lord, we're holding our hands up as a symbol of commitment to you that we'll, we'll, with your help, with your power, with your grace put into our life we'll obey. And as nervous as we may be, Lord, we want to be used by you, but as nervous as we may be, we'll open our mouth and we'll ask questions. We'll admire. We'll admit that we're lost and we needed you. And we'll present the gospel. Lord, I pray for when that happens, you would give courage. You would give wisdom. Some of us are trying to share the Share your love with somebody that's heard it 20 times and, and it's a relationship that, we, that, that, that we're in. It's, it's like a relative or we're married to them. And we're just stuck in that situation where we have to present the gospel with such grace that we don't ruin a relationship. Lord, I pray for your wisdom and an extra measure of grace for those people. Lord, when you open the door, we'll walk through it. So, Lord, please do it. Give your church opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We're going to have some prayer partners at the front who are ready and willing to pray for you if you have any prayer need. Don't leave without asking somebody to pray for you if you have that prayer need. Go with God. You're dismissed.